I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head, I could do my own internal, like yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears, I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, and I work with women worldwide, assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience, and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together, we are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Holly. Holly is a mama of four from the UK, and she is a veterinarian, a feminist, and passionate about women's experiences of birth and motherhood. As a veterinarian, she has seen many mammal births and know that this works best when the mother is undisturbed. It was therefore a completely logical choice for her to have home births. She went on to have all four of her babies at home in amazing, empowering and all different births. Her first was born after only a four hour long active labor stage, after her midwife claimed she wasn't in enough pain to be in real labor. Her second was born in a pitch black room after 90 minutes of her water spraking and the most intense non-stop contractions where Holly booted the midwives out of, out of the room into the kitchen and had her baby on her own. Her third was born with her two sisters in the pool together with Holly ready to meet their baby sister and her fourth was born in a hurry on the bathroom floor after just seven contractions. Holly's stories are wild and beautiful and another variation of normal, and I love how assertive and full of gumption she is. I hope these stories will inspire you to claim your birth and rite of passage. If you are planning a home birth, then 
Did you know you can download my free home birth checklist? Pop into the show notes and find my home birth checklist, as well as all my other free resources for a natural and physiological birth. And if you'd like to meet me face to face, then you can join me and my beautiful village sisters in our monthly village sharing circle this Wednesday. We also always have a mama's Q&A at the end so you can come and ask me everything you want to know about pregnancy, birth and beyond if you are pregnant or you want to become pregnant or maybe you've just had a baby. We would love to have you and right now you can join for free, a whole month for free. So if you sign up today or any day before Wednesday, you can also then join Wednesday's circle. There's two different times that suits mamas from all over the world and I'd love to see you there. Come with all your questions. I will be there for you as your spiritual midwife. Hi, Holly, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? I am perfect, and it's so lovely to speak to you. Yay! I'm excited because you have had four home births, Mm -hmm. and the little that I know is that they all went really quick like even the first one so I love the diversity in women's stories and I love that you will now share you know that you are this you know one of these women that just birthed really quickly and so with no further ado please take us back to getting pregnant the first time and deciding on having a home birth I was 25 married a year or two and it was time for us to have a baby and it took ages to get pregnant and I think looking back that was because I was taking the pill and it just took so long for my body to recover from those hormones um so nearly I mean nearly a year and for a 25 year old it's just so frustrating because you know, you're told all your life, aren't you? Oh, you get pregnant, you get, you know, be careful. You're going to, you know, scare stories about you can get pregnant. And then, you know, when you want to, you just can't. But anyway, so it took, took a long time. Did you um, do any kind of active cleansing or clearing of the hormones or did you just wait and see? No, I did a little bit of acupuncture, probably sort of nine, 10 months in by then and getting really frustrated. And I think that did help, but I'm not sure if it helped me physically or just helped me mentally sort of relax and let go of some of that mm. pressure. And, you know, you put yourself under a lot of pressure. And yeah I, yeah, I think probably just the acupuncture. I didn't do anything else, but I think that was sort of, I mean, that was 10 years ago. So there probably wasn't so, you know, there weren't podcasts like yours. There wasn't that much information, I think. Yeah. And the sharing of information amongst women, which I think is more, it goes on now more with social media. and Yeah, so much more. It's such a different world. Yeah. And for mm-hmm. anyone listening who's, you know, maybe on the pill or contraceptives with hormonal, you know, effects, then it's really important to know that, right? That, you sh- you know, you can, I would say, call on a naturopath and get on a you know schedule that you can help cleanse your liver because it's the liver that needs to balance your hormones and you know getting everything kind of flowing so that's a good side note for anyone listening who's like you know wanting to have a baby and maybe trying and haven't done that and have been on contraceptives that might have you know really affected her body and her hormones Mm. Mm -hmm. 
And then, then we were really happy we were pregnant. And we went to our booking appointment with the midwife, which is the first, you know, just that first appointment where you go. I was completely clueless. And I remember the the midwife, the first question she asked me, she got out her notes that she writes your name in. And the first question she said is, oh, which hospital would you like your baby to be born in? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, just out of instinct, I just said, I don't feel like I need to be in a hospital to have my baby. And she said, oh, good, home birth, excellent, and wrote down home birth. And I went, oh, hang on, what's a home? You know, I was thinking in my head, oh, what's a home? What have I just signed myself up for? But she just carried on with her questionnaire. Are you taking vitamins and, you know, the standard stuff? So then I got home and I started Googling home birth. The more I read, the more I thought, oh, yeah, this is me. Absolutely. There's no question. My husband came home from work and we went and walked the dog. And I said, oh, um, the midwife said this. And I, I think I'd like a home birth. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I'd looked into it, too. And I, I knew you were going to say that. So that's fine. <laughs> so we were like, boom, we're on the same page. It was just amazing. Such a good fit. Um, and I think that story is really different. I've met a few people, mums through home birth circles, and the partners are really a barrier you know they're so brainwashed by society and culture and everything that we think about birth you know birth on the tv and films and but my husband wasn't like that he just was very on board with having a baby as a normal natural thing and actually this is really going to be really good for us um that's such a good story yeah so that that was um a real sort of blessing right at the start of the journey of building our little family then I had this lovely pregnancy I ticked all I conveniently ticked for the midwife all the low risk boxes and they couldn't find anything wrong with me which is such a blessing when you're planning a home birth because sometimes they're trying to root out any little thing it feels like sometimes but I had this you know I grew an average sized baby and I put on an average amount of weight and I, you know, I did everything, you know, my body mysteriously, conveniently, totally accidentally did everything that the NHS wanted it to do in order to, for me to be allowed to have this home birth. I was doing pregnancy yoga with an amazing teacher who really affirmed and fed me with all of this positivity about birth practice the breathing exercises every week in this yoga class with these amazing women which you know some of these women are still my friends which is just amazing so it was just such a lovely pregnancy yeah Uh, mm, it was really special and that yoga teacher I eventually asked her to doula for us and she was just starting out doulaing then but she was fabulous. She was really a very gentle, is still a very gentle person. But I felt that she was completely on my page um, and was really very interested in safeguarding our experience. Definitely something that I feel really, really helped us the first time round when we were all a bit clueless, but very, very positive about everything. Did she also provide some childbirth education for you and your partner um strangely not so in the UK well the yoga classes they sort of came with 
it was really lovely the way the way they did it because it was a yoga class and sort of breathing exercises for labor which you practice and then there was a group discussion and talk about sort of a different topic each week which was a lovely social space as well no biscuits which helps because and because it wasn't just a four-week course at the end of your pregnancy you had time really to digest and research and develop in your ideas throughout the course of the pregnancy so I had you know I started when I was barely pregnant I think I was about 12 weeks was the tiniest person there that really helped in the development of my thoughts and feelings about birth there were a lot of things I hadn't thought about or realized even happened so for example vitamin k apparently that's given to loads of babies I didn't have a clue what this was or that it was a choice or there were options Mm. and that's really I'm the kind of person where I like to take away an idea and I have to really sit with it and think about it and then you know feel my way with the decision okay what am I going to do with this information you can't make that decision in a flick of a moment with your newborn baby in your arms but I think that's the expectation is we do well Um, all of the information you know anything that they offer you midwives should really go through antenatally you know so that you don't you shouldn't make those decisions at birth or after birth you should really know about all those things at your meetings they should share the pros and cons and why and and that is lacking especially when the times of those meetings are getting shorter and shorter and it's basically Mm -hmm. just listening to the heart rate taking your blood pressure and checking that you're not dying kind of thing Mm -hmm. it almost feels like doesn't it doesn't really give that special one-on-one time in the system now I'm not talking about midwives who do have time like privately practicing midwives independent midwives Mm -hmm. practices that have more time so we had that element of education we also signed up for um, a course run by the NCT. Oh my goodness, we went to this course. And it was, <laughs> oh, I just, I could not connect. It was very um, hospital led. Here are the photos of the forceps and yeah. these are the pros and cons of epidural. And I, it was, it was, we needed to have had that information, I suppose. But in my mind, I think I'd, pro- I'd already developed quite a strong idea of this is this is what I'm going to do. And so I struggled a little bit with that. Actually, I don't want to be here. I don't want to fill my mind with these ideas. You know, this is negativity. And, the you know, the other couples there were really not home birth planning people. So I guess it was good for all of us to share our different perspectives yeah, for um, them maybe to get a new perspective from you. But I guess also, as you say, mm-hmm. going to that, it it is making you a compliant client of that oh, hospital, yeah. doesn't it? To kind of already prepare you for that. The outcomes usually go this way to, you know, forceps, vacuum, epidural, syntosinone. So they already prepare you for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know that, you know, that also gets into your subconscious mind, doesn't it? absolutely that suggestion mm. I think the, I think really that teacher in the most well-meaning way was trying to say oh to be happy with your birth you just have to be happy with any of these things happening to you and I was not going to acquiesce to all of these things no way it's my body my baby and it wasn't in an overt way but you know it was there the undertone was there Mm. um and I guess they are catering for you know the vast majority of women will have those things happen I mean in our local hospital 
for cesarean rates 50 percent. i think induction is nearly 40 yeah and that's quite normal in the uk at the moment um so about a quarter are emergency sections quarter of planned sections so 50 percent sections and about a 40 thirds to 40 percent of women are being induced yeah so this is what i was really fighting against this time 10 years ago i think it was different oh yeah it was much less it's it's drastically getting out of control in the amount of medicalization uh, that is mm-hmm. happening when it comes to birth. Mm. Ulcers, that is huge. Yeah. Percentage of cesareans. Mm-hmm. So, and that's come out of a couple of investigations by sort of senior and academic midwives into failings in maternity care in the UK. So they've recommended that, we shouldn't push for natural birth you know there shouldn't be a culture of trying to push for natural birth yeah isn't that insane you know actually yeah. um i was actually contacted by bbc radio um a couple of weeks ago um because they were doing a documentary when it comes to this that there is a movement towards natural birth and there's also a movement of more and more women having cesareans both mm-hmm. most of them aren't elective and we have to remember that it's still that is not the biggest group. The biggest group is because of the medicalization of birth, right? And so uh, they wanted my opinion on that. <laughs> and I think I wasn't uh, I wasn't um, telling them the narrative they wanted to hear because they really they were saying kind of that that, you know, what do you think about women who plan for a natural birth but end up having a cesarean or having a medicalized birth? And, and, you know, do you, do you really think it's right to, to hope for or plan for that? And I hate this because this is the narrative, especially of the media and of the general population that, oh, well, you shouldn't get your hopes up because most likely you'll end up on the cascade, right? Most likely you will need help because, you know, birth is, isn't that, um, which is not true. Yes. For some women who are planning a home birth or a natural birth, there will be complications that leads to needing medical intervention it's not going to be the majority but it's going to be a few and that would always have happened wherever she would have been that's just how her baby and her needed to birth that time right um that doesn't mean that she should not plan for her dream birth and we know that doing that increases the chances of her also also having that birth that she wants anyways i was a bit too much of a rebel they decided not to air me Well, I think I I just think generally, I mean, that kind of thing is very judgmental of women, isn't it? Oh, oh silly her. Silly How her. dare she? You know, she thought she could get away with it. Or, you know, there's this narrative, isn't there, of... Um, you know these silly women how dare they have ideas about how they can birth exactly. you know? and also you know that it would be more harmful for her to then work towards the birth she wanted than just go with the flow and and just surrender yourself to to the experts around you it is so belittling and patronizing yes. and that yes. we're sovereign women and we can accept that birth is uncontrollable we can accept that as the first contraction hits we have to then relinquish control surrender to that mystery and you know hopefully by then we have the right birth team around us that can carry us through we have the information we need when things might deviate from what we wanted and we can take that life doesn't always go to plan right we're not stupid we're not we're not so stop you know, treating yeah. women that they can't make informed decisions. Tell them everything and they can make their own decisions. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I get absolutely. very passionate about it. I agree. I know. <laughs> I can rant too. <laughs> um, so I'm not. Do you want to circle back? I'm not sure where we got yeah. to. <laughs> well, let's circle back to actually starting with your birth stories, right? Because we have four okay. to go through. So That's, let's dive on into. You know, yeah, um, no, not at all. But let's dive on into the first one. You know, let's come on closer to like you know, birth so. approaching. Did you have any early signs, or did it just start with a bang? So I am Mrs. Braxton Hicks. So when I'm pregnant, I get a big bump. I just have loads of Braxton Hicks all the time to the point that I can't really tell when I'm in labour. So I think I had lots of these tightenings and I was so, I'd done all of this. Oh, hypnobirthing, I should have said, hypnobirthing. So I'd done quite a lot of preparation where I was really enjoying these tightenings. You know, I think I'm quite susceptible sort of hypnosis in that way. So all of that was sort of going on and I was uh, 40 plus six on the, um, you know, I don't believe in dates by scans, but by dates by scans, I was 40 plus six. I woke up in the morning with some tightenings and then exactly 10 minutes later, I had another one. This went on and eventually I sort of poked my husband and I said, oh, I think, you know, I think maybe this is actually regular. So he stayed at home. He didn't go to work that day. And these sort of funny regular Braxton Hicks just sort of carried on in the morning. And I did my usual things. And then sort of just after lunch, I was really feeling like these were sort of strong tightenings. I was sort of struggling to walk very far. I would sort of walk and then with the tightening, I would want to really crouch down on the floor. So I would just squat down on the floor and hold on to something and just breathe so I had two breathing exercises the first was imagine blowing ripples across some water I so I was doing that and that was just fine I had a midwife appointment that day and so I called my midwife and I said oh I want to cancel my appointment because I think you know I'm getting these regular tightenings and I think it's going to be today and she said oh okay well I'll put you on the visit list for this afternoon then and I said okay and I, you could tell she was kind of like listening on the phone. I think she was sort of trying to work out how noisy I was going to be. You know, she was she was listening for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she said, well, I don't think I don't think you're really in enough pain to be in labour. So I'll put you down on the visit le- uh, list for uh, later on. So fine. So I thought someone was just going to come at some point. In my mind, there's a midwife coming and it's fine. I'm not on a time thing. I got in the bath. That was lovely. I did all the, you know, the textbook confirmations. I got in the bath. That was lovely. And um, I was sort of bobbing on my side, listening to my hypno music thing and very relaxed. My husband had gone off to fill the birth pool. And then things were getting a bit strong. And I thought, oh, I can't get out of this bath by myself. So I'm shouting to my husband, um, quite loud you know and of course he's got the tap running and everything out he can't hear me he's just he's off having his dinner downstairs um eventually he appears after all of this shouting so why didn't you call me gosh so um got me out of the bath so I think this is probably about two so I think that I mean my note they they put down in my notes that I'd had a sort of four-hour established labor when I was really having these contractions it was, I don't know, it might have gone on for days, but this this is what they'd said. Yeah. The pool wasn't quite ready. So I got I got in the shower, got out of the shower, you know, ferreting. I was restless, ferreting out. 
And then I had this white, this cream wool rug in my uh, bedroom. And I decided that was the place that I needed to kneel down naked like a cat on all fours. That was when our doula appeared. And I think she took one look at me on all fours, moving like a cow and thought, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to be in this for days because when you have your first baby, people's, you know, people's birth stories, okay, they two day labor, three day labor, a week of induction, you know. So I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to pull myself together because I've got another couple of days of this. Yeah. She starts rubbing my back. This figure of she did this figure of eight massage. Everyone learned the figure of eight massage on your lower back. Amazing, amazing. Um, so she was doing that, and she was sort of subtly saying to my husband, um, "So is the, the midwife the way?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I've, I've spoken to the midwife, and they're they're visiting. They're coming this afternoon." And she was sort of saying, "Okay, so um, when?" <laughs> um, so she snuck off, and I think she said in no no uncertain terms that they either come now or they're going to miss it luckily I didn't know any of this um I'm really I I said my most recent I said I think I'm just a bit thick when I'm in labor because I just can never tell when I'm about to have a baby anyway so I'm on this cream rug which is unwashable I have this I know it's just it's so silly I had this really strong, and it was that first abdominal contraction where my I felt my abdominal muscles engage with this contraction and the water shot out the back of me. And I thought, I just felt like a dairy cow. I thought, oh my goodness. And I was like, oh, I'm weird everywhere. And she was like, no, that's definitely not we. Um, and then, so the midwife's coming or on her way and uh, the plan was I was going to get in the pool before anyone got there and that was really a strategic choice in that I wanted to be in a safe space cocooned I didn't want any I'd made a really conscious decision I didn't want internal examinations I didn't want to know how many centimeters it made no difference to me whatsoever I didn't want to be touched or messed with Uh, I didn't want intrusion and the discussion the plan that we had all made was I was going to be in the pool before the midwife got there because I didn't know which midwife was coming they were just going to send anyone in the team so um, whoever was on duty that day whether they were into home births or they really were not into home births that was the midwife I was getting because you were having Um, the NHS publicly funded home births you can't choose right I love that I love how aware you were at 24 you were so spot on in your planning and knowing how to do this. Twenty twenty six. I like information. I like knowledge, and I've done lots of reading. And I consciously surrounded myself with people who were going to be really honest with me. Yeah. And by that time, as well, all my other um, yoga friends—they'd all had their babies and had, you know, I'd heard their stories. So. And I was one, I was think I was the only home birther or maybe one of two. Um, most of them had gone to the local hospital and had varying or the birth center and had varying experiences. So I was kind of aware of sort of birth culture in my area. Um, yeah, so we'd made this decision. You know, if you really don't want internals, get in the pool. Yes. Because that makes it harder for everyone, you know. And everyone. if they really a big problem and you want one 
we'll get you out again. That's not a big problem. Yeah, that's um, great. And no one's going to touch you in there. No. And I didn't want, I'm a very private person. I don't want to be fussed over or my hair stroked or, you know, you know, I'll have the figure of eight massage. That was amazing. But I definitely didn't want internals. And they had a bit of a thing at the time. I'm not sure if it's a thing now, but you can, you're only allowed to get in the pool once we've checked you. That was like, a, that was a thing. And I was like, mm, I'm not having any of that. So I think I'll jolly well do what I like. Very um, good. Very good. Love it. Yeah, I'm a bit opinionated, which I think you have to be if you're. Which I um, think all women should be in birth. Be opinionated. Yeah, know, know what you want, know what you need, mm-hmm. and um, make it known. So I got in the pool. The midwife, bless her, um, she flew through the door a few minutes later, totally panicked, abandoned the car in the road, took one look at me. I was. I I don't know I, I kind of I think I was quite spaced out by then I was re- there was just me in the world I was really I was really blowing very hard with these contractions very very focused she came in uh, I remember her saying to my husband does she want a, um, a check and he said no leave her alone <laughs> which was excellent and then a little while later, maybe a few, I think I was only in the pool about 20 minutes before the baby was born. My uh, two other midwives came, which I'm told is quite unusual. And I think it's because uh, the first midwife was was worrying, basically. So then because I was a first time mum, in hindsight, I don't think she was that comfortable. So there were loads of midwives turned up. I remember they did, the only thing they did do was a Doppler. They said, can can we listen to the baby? And I was just like, oh, whatever. But they said, oh, I'm not. She said, oh, I'm not sure if this is waterproof. So can you just lift yourself up? So I had to kind of stand up in the pool so she could listen. And I pretty much put my boobs in her face because I couldn't, you know, how awkward it. Was. Anyway, I was just, I don't care at this point. So anyway, she listened. And went, of course, my baby was perfect. Got in the pool. I remember. So the head came, and then there's this long gap that no one tells you there's going to be this really awful long gap where you're like what's going on and I could feel you know you can feel the head you can feel your baby moving inside and on the outside of you which is very strange I think I think my doula she said just listen she was so she was in my ear so I had like a midwife on the other side of the room kind of like nervously looking over and then I had my doula on my edge and she was just saying listen to listen to your body just listen to your book like really calmly that's the only thing she said she didn't guide me she didn't tell me what to do she just said listen to your body and I had a big contraction I thought I'm jolly well going to push because I hadn't pushed at all I, I my body was just pushing doing its thing I hadn't pushed at all and this one I was like I'm going to push because I really want this baby out so I pushed and she shot out this little baby shot out and was lying at the bottom of the pool and I was in a daze and I I sort of kind of came round and, you know, they're saying, pick up your baby. And this baby's lying on the bottom of the pool. So I know, awful, I'm just terrible. And so I scooped yeah. my baby up to my chest. We looked and she was a girl, which was amazing. And uh, I think I sent you the photo. It was so textbook in that my you know I had these regular contractions they just got stronger and stronger my waters went and then I you know every the natural birth book I managed just accidentally to have this amazing 
Mm. birth Mm. I got out of the pool and lay on the sofa and nursed my baby or tried to it was doing this breast crawl thing that you're supposed Mm. to do like by the fourth one I wasn't doing any of that I was just you know like just eat your dinner um but the by the first one was doing the breast crawl thing and you know and then I I didn't feel anything in my body but my I just suddenly said oh I've, I've got to get up I've got to get up so I stood up, had one big contraction, and plop, my placenta came out. Brilliant. Just amazing. Like the body just knows. It's just yeah. crazy clever. And then my little dog was like, oh, what's that? And the midwife oh. almost had a heart attack. Um, <laughs> um, yes, the dog didn't eat the placenta, but she was quite interested in trying to. Um, and then we cut the cord. The only thing about that birth that did upset me was, and I think this comes back to expectations because I wasn't, I did a lot of pre-planning for what to expect from my care providers during labour, but not afterwards. And afterwards, the midwife had said to me, oh, can I have a look to see, you know, if you've got any tearing? And I I felt perfect down there. I, I didn't feel sore. I was as high as a kite on hormones. I didn't feel that I'd done any damage. And for my mind, looking involves the eyes, not the fingers. But unfortunately, you know, while I was lying there, really relaxed, snuggling my baby, she said, oh, yeah, looks great. So I wasn't expecting anything else. And then put her fingers inside my body. And that was the most painful. I leaped off the sofa. That was the most painful thing with no warning, no discussion. Oh goodness! You know, I, and that that kind of sat with me after this amazing experience. That kind of sat with me, and I know women go through a lot worse than that. But for me, that was well, that's, that's a, a violation. Result. That it is, definitely it is. is. Yeah. No. Uh, gosh, anyone who ever puts fingers in your vagina has to be first verbally informing you of why, how. You know, if I ever would do that a check I would say exactly what I was doing I would first you know touch your leg and go okay are you ready at any time you can tell me to mm-hmm. stop you know take my fingers out it's a you know it needs to be a trauma-informed discussion because like we have you know we know a lot of women have had also sexual assault and trauma in their life you know regarding this area as well right they're beautiful sacred mm. space of the vagina and, and womb space so it's so important, especially at this vulnerable stage, just after birthing a baby. That was very careless and very wrong of her to do so. And you could have pressed charges mm-hmm. against that because that is violation. That was not informed consent on your end. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, thank you for that. I think um, I did find that really, really upsetting. Um, and I think part of it was I felt like kind of like a piece of meat that you could do anything to like there was no I just felt like a vessel that a baby had come out of like a functional um piece of equipment rather than a um a person who has rights and feelings and autonomy and that really really hurt you know like a baby's just come out of there that's hurt yeah it is you know that was really painful um and of course I didn't have any I didn't have any tearing 
I had a slight labial graze. So I had a little um, nick, which was, you know, completely fine. Mm. Um, I didn't do anything with that. I just, um, you know, the warm water in a jug, you know, when you go for a wee, Mm. do that. That was really good. The other thing I think no one talks about is postpartum, the what happens with your body you know I had these rock hard boobs bright red rock hard boobs that sort of doubled in size the milk coming in I think my hormones were just because I'd had this natural birth I think my hormones were just wild and um really strong my milk thundered in um afterpays no one tells you about afterpays what are the strange <laughs> torture awful you know. yeah well this is the you know really important information that you know again you know when we say this a lot we talk a lot about this in the podcast that you know most women plan for the birth and forget about the postpartum and and this is one of the big reasons why i created the nourishing postpartum course because of this so that women will be informed of all the different things on how to heal your own body what to expect you know just a newborn baby what to expect with the newborn baby baby care and breastfeeding mm-hmm. it sounds like you got really engorged and maybe even mastitis if they were red as, yes. as well and yeah. you know it's so important to you know breastfeed on demand and have that deep connection with your baby where you read the cues and have that you know that bubble where it's just you and your family and no external influence that can make you miss a cue from your baby this is essential the first week and weeks after birth Mm. and not have this happen absolutely and um but it was good I felt really really well I didn't feel like I had to recover I just felt like me I did have, you know, a week or so in bed and I was Good. really fussed over by my husband. <laughs> Good. Um, which be. was lovely. <laughs> but I just felt, you know, I felt really comfortable, active. And I just thought, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to emerge from birth traumatized and cut to ribbons and battered and bruised. You know, women are supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be a really important, enriching and beautiful part of our womanhood but for me it was really amazing and I really feel that the vast majority of women can birth the vast majority of even first-time women there's a big thing about first there's a big fuss made about first-time mums but I really feel like the I don't feel like I'm I'm not special Mm. I think most people can birth like that and have you know not be traumatized or physically injured from giving birth but I think we're uh, we're not supporting women to to do that no the current maternity system is doing the absolute opposite of what the birthing woman needs having a physiological birth absolute opposite and the outcomes show it the outcomes of cesarean Mm. and interventions and also Uh, women coming out with birth trauma shows exactly that Mm -hmm. and it's just increasing instead of waking up and going oof we're doing something wrong it's it's going the opposite way isn't it it's just getting worse and worse and worse yes so all right beautiful birth first birth fairly quickly I guess they so they were kind of thinking that you were having these four hours of birth or labor Mm -hmm. and birth from around that lunchtime was it when you called and they kind of said 
Yeah. I think they just had to write something down. Yeah, exactly. So you were in like early labor before then, I guess. And that's when it kind of kicked in. Yeah, beautiful. So that was active. Beautiful. So Mm -hmm. how long after the first one did you fall pregnant and decide to, you know, have a second Um, one? So I, we were really desperate to start trying again straight away um, because I love, we loved, you know, being a little family but it didn't happen for us because, um, well, I was, she was breastfeeding like mad. She loved her milk and I was breastfeeding on demand. Also, I think probably there was still a hangover from those synthetic hormones. I, I think I still was not really that fertile. When she was nearly two, I did fall pregnant again. And that was an ectopic pregnancy, wow. which was really, um, oh, that was just the worst experience. I, I knew that something was wrong with the pregnancy straight away. I had quite heavy implantation bleeding or really heavy bleeding straight on. And I had this stabbing pain in the the right side. Really, no one really believed me because people don't believe women. And um, Yes, very accurate. And so I had various scans. I had internal scans, which I didn't, having had that experience with the midwife before, I really I really felt upset about the internal scans and I was having blood tests every other day. And they said, well, we can't find this pregnancy, but your pregnancy hormone is increasing. And so this this is, we think this is an ectopic pregnancy. We tried to scan again and it was so pain. The, the, the lady who was doing the scan, she was, I think she was getting quite frustrated. She really wanted to, to find the pregnancy, you know, see the pregnancy in the tube. She, she couldn't so she was sort of jabbing it and saying does this hurt and jabbing it inside me and I was screaming I mean I screamed but it was the most painful thing so that wasn't great I ended up having they did see the pregnancy in the tube eventually they gave me an injection they said that the the baby had already died which is such a massive blessing for me because I felt that I didn't have to you know be involved in any decision making which but the baby had died, but the placental tissue that was in the tube was still growing and it was a, a big risk to my, yeah. you know, they could have been a big bleed and I could have been in danger. So they gave me an injection to um, shrink the placental tissue. And amazingly, that worked because they did say, well, this is a bit of an experiment. They'd only just start using it. But that is, you know, it's a really strong drug. They use it in chemotherapy protocols. Yeah. And so they, um, said you can't conceive for a period of time after you've had this drug and that was fine and I had to take really high doses of folic acid physically I was okay they said there's a really high risk of it happening again because I've now got a damaged tube inside me so that's a higher risk so I think they said it was a one percent chance of ectopic pregnancy had gone to a ten percent chance of ectopic pregnancy with further pregnancies right so I guess psychologically that went on and that was upsetting but I was fine now I think that you know that was just the way that was gonna be and you know please yeah it does happen and I was very grateful that I received the treatment yes but it's it's important that you mention this I mean because this is a reality just like miscarriage it's a reality Mm. for a lot of women you know it is such a miracle when a woman becomes pregnant and all works out Mm. as it should right and it it will not always happen just like 
the same with birth. You know, birth most of the times will work out beautifully without anyone needing to do absolutely anything to the birthing woman. She can do it all by herself and her baby can birth themselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work. You know, this is just a part of life, right? It's part of the reality of living. <laughs> and I yes. think it's important to mention these things that, you know, ectopic pregnancies happen, uh, which is not viable. You know, that will not, that can only, you know, be detrimental to you and your baby because it's in the tube, right? It's not in the womb. So it can't survive there. It can't grow there. It's not good. And, and it's important to mention this just as well as stillbirth and, and miscarriage is a part of mm-hmm. women's experiences and to honor those as well as part of our womanly life. Absolutely. And I think if you, I think we don't talk about loss enough when you do start opening up to people so many people say oh that happened to me that happened to me and we need you know we need to have these conversations there's nothing shameful about that no experience but I think in our culture there is you know that it's like an unspoken thing that women shouldn't discuss I don't know maybe because we're so afraid of death and yeah to the detriment of living sometimes mm-hmm. and to the scope of life, which is everything, right? It's just this, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just happy and fluffy, which we all know, you know, yes. we all go through traumatic things. We all go through grief and sadness and, you know, mm-hmm. things, life is everything. And so is pregnancy, birth, postpartum. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, women are strong. Oh, we yeah. can cope with reality, can't we? <laughs> we birth life onto this planet. I think we're yeah. very strong. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need a discussion around that. <laughs> no. Calling all the women back to the village. Have you felt the aching longing in your blood and bones, sister? The longing to belong to a village of women walking alongside you through life and rites of passages. A sisterhood who nurtures and supports you as you navigate living in harmony with your own and Mother Nature's heartbeat and cycles. Do you know in your deepest heart and soul that we were never supposed to live this independently and isolated to each other as we are in our modern, unnatural world? Then the maiden mother and maga village is what you have been longing for. In our village you will find the women who know that they carry magic within their wombs that know they are powerful, sovereign, and holy by nature. The natural, conscious, open-hearted, and empathic ones from all over the world. Until we live back in the physical village, let us be your village. It's not the same, not nearly as nurturing as a physical village, but it is nourishing. It is supportive and it's available 24-7. It is emotional, spiritual and mental support and it's all online, accessible to all. We gather the first Wednesday of every month in a deeply nourishing sharing circle that finishes in a Mama's Q&A full of support and wisdom. 
and you can now join us for free for a whole month to see if this sisterhood village is for you. You don't have to do motherhood by yourself, dear heart. There is a community of like-minded women ready to receive you in a big warm hug if you let us. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com Eventually, I fell, you know, when we decided to start trying again, I fell with my um, beautiful second daughter. And without that experience of loss, she would never be, she wouldn't be here. Mm. And so that's, you know, she was meant, she was really meant to be here. Um, So with her, I had, because I'd had this previous experience with the ectopic, I had a really stressful pregnancy with her and it was all in my head. So I really battled through that pregnancy and I really felt the whole way through, is she going to be, a, you know, is am I going to keep this pregnancy? Am I going to be okay? Is this baby going to be okay? And that really set me up for a really stormy birth. Yeah. My The same doula came to support us, which was amazing. Yeah. I'd moved areas at the time here. There was a different form of midwifery where we had our own case-loading midwife from a dedicated home birthing service so loved home birth that's all she did she came to see us at home really got to know us but unfortunately she was on holiday the week that I was due with that baby so two other members came out to the birth and they were they were were great and they really respected me but I didn't want anyone anywhere near me I was like I don't know you I'm not in a good space. And so that baby, she was, um, to- so it's a totally different birth. So with that, it was the evenings, bedtime, I was getting rid of bed. And my waters just went with a gush out of nowhere, no contractions really. You know, I'd had all these Braxton Hicks, which I always have, not didn't think anything of it. And then when oh you say that God. though I just wonder do you mean have you had Braxton Hicks for months has it yeah been? right so it just yeah. comes and goes for months for you yeah yeah every time I go for a walk so I walk, walk about an hour hour and a half a day with the dog yeah. every time I go for a walk I was getting all of these contractions right. from about seven months probably yeah because this is the thing some women will have this and some women will never have a Braxton Hicks at all right mm. and so then I understand so you you just never really know no no or I'm in denial Um, oh maybe (laughs) maybe I um yeah that was a totally different experience because without the waters there the contractions hit me like a train out of nowhere these super strong contractions I was the first contraction I was on my knees swearing quite frankly it was just so so strong and compared to my other birth, where I had these gradual increase, my body had got used, you know, I was breathing through it, I had time in between, you know, this was a totally different experience. And I, I did lose control. I wasn't, I wasn't in a good space. So uh, my husband called the midwives. They came out straight away because they said, oh, you, you birthed quickly the first time. Mm. We're going to come straight away this time because, you know, we think it's going to be really quick I think they said they thought it would be half the time or there was you know some something like that 
That's usually what it will be the second time around. It's usually around the half yeah. mark, yeah. Um, <laughs> so did you have a break though, or did you just have a long contraction? No, I just had, so my waters went, and then I had really strong contractions that were quite close together straight away. I've never timed the contractions, but I felt like I couldn't get my breath between them. It was just relentless one after the other. And I felt that I couldn't cope with light sort of light sort of intensified the feeling mm. made things more painful with the first one I would say that was that was pain-free birth I didn't experience I would not say to you I experienced pain with my first birth right. this birth I really I really did we had the pool set up in the living room I got in that pretty quickly I couldn't the tens machine tried to get the ten before we got in the pool obviously um he tried to get the tens machine on which had been helpful the previous birth. And I was just like, this thing's useless. It doesn't work. It stopped working. Well, you know, the batteries are running. It hadn't. It was just, I was, you know, not able to handle it this time. So I got in the pool. I was saying, switch off the lights, switch off the lights. And, and my doula was saying, well, should we just have the little lamp on in the corner? And I was like, no. And it hurt me to have the light on. Mm. Um, it was like physical pain. So it was pitch black. The midwives arrived and they were great. They really respected my choice and me. But I said, you need to wait in the kitchen. So I made them wait in the kitchen. I wouldn't let them see me. Closed the door. They had oh. the dogs. Here, look after the dogs. I mean, I suppose it just went the same. The, the head was born. She just thundered through. I didn't, I didn't push. Her head didn't mould. She came so fast. She had this big boulder head, you know, no cone head, big boulder head. She was absolutely enormous. She was nine pounds, which for me was like the hundred. I think they said she was 99th percentile on the chart or something. Thankfully, no one told me she was going to be enormous. But she just, I think the weight of her and gravity, she just thundered through. And I was in such a bad headspace that the first thought that I had when I looked at her was, there's something wrong with her. And there wasn't, she was perfect. But I just spent my whole pregnancy thinking this isn't going to work out. That oh. I, I, I feel really sad. And I have no photos of that birth either because oh. A, it was about 85 minutes. So, you know, it was under an hour and a half that birth. So it was, it was faster. But I looked, I think mean, I looked, Gareth did take some photos and I looked awful in the photos. I was white as a sheet. I was shaking. My placenta wouldn't come. Uh, so the midwives, they did sort of burst into the room after about an hour of me moaning and groaning about, I just want this placenta out now. They said, you know, come on, you know, get out of the pool. Let's get let's get you into a better headspace. Let's get, you know, in the end, the placenta, they said, just go and sit on the toilet. Mm. They went to the toilet and I thought, oh, and I was feeling a bit better, I think, because I, I was, I'd, cir I'd circled myself into negativity mm. and I sat on the toilet and I said, just give me the baby because I'd, I'd also asked them to cut the cord because we'd been battling about so long and I was, oh, I've, I've missed out a load of stuff, but my, I had really painful hips in that pregnancy, I think because she was so big mm. and so kneeling in the pool was actually quite painful so because of this, I'd said to them after about an hour, you know, just cut the cord. And because I was sort of balancing this baby in the pitch black in this water and trying to get a placenta and it was, it was a mess. Um, 
So I sat on the toilet and I said, give, give me the baby. They gave me the baby. I held this baby and plop, my placenta came out. Mm. And they said it was probably there all along. That's why it was sitting there in the opening of the vagina. But this is yeah. the thing, you know, this was a really fast and furious birth. And I know we're going to hear two more. They're probably going to be even more faster and furious. But this is the thing, isn't it, that shorter is not necessarily better. Because no. it can be quite shocking. And especially mm. as, as I can hear you saying, it was, it was really full on. Like you just went straight to transition time and birthing, really. You didn't have mm. any early labor, no active labor. You just went boom there. And it can sometimes, that can sometimes also just shock the whole system that you do retain your placenta for a while until you, mm. you your whole body can calm down and go, okay ah, we're safe, and then you let go. Because it is a letting go as well, right? The birth of the placenta. You need to still be in the oxytocin, and and, and mm. your baby helps with that. Your baby, you know, on your chest, skin to skin, breastfeeding, helps with that continuation of the hormones that need to be really high. And you probably were a bit in shock at that time. And, you know, I also hear that, you know, with the ectopic pregnancy, that probably sat in your cells, you know, that trauma, which is a trauma, you know, even though it, you know, whatever you, you know, say or not, but for your body, you know, for your your mental, emotional, spiritual body, as well as the physical, you know, that was probably still part of you. So transfer that and maybe heal that as well in that birth, right? Came mm. to completion. She was all right. Yeah. She, was she was beautiful. Oh, she's so perfect. Just enormous <laughs> and very willing to be in the world. So that I, I found out afterwards that there was a little bit of chatter from the midwives about tr- ambulance and transfer because of this placenta issue. Mm. And I remember uh, and my husband just said, no, she's she's fine. But I think I think for, it was very difficult. I made life very difficult for them because I wouldn't let them in. I don't know. I, I, I was just very sort of protective of my own space. I think mm. because it was so furious, mm. I really closed down to really kind of quite tiger mum this is what I'm doing yeah and it was so good I remember so the baby was born they were still in the kitchen when the baby was born I was just going to ask that (laughs) yeah they was and they heard the baby cry and came in and they came in and I let them look at the baby for a bit and then I said can you leave now and you know what they just um oh gosh are you there yeah and they just said um yeah, and picked up the cup and tea and walked straight out. There was no question, no like, oh, can we just do this? They were um, they were amazing, and I made life really hard for them to do their job. Um, well, so I really you know, respected at that. At the end of the day, their job is to serve you and the baby, <laughs> right? And with that, they looked at the baby, and they saw the baby was fine. And even if you had said you can't come in, it's still your decision. You are a sovereign mm-hmm. woman. You are the mother. And as midwives... We are there to serve you, whether we are working for the hospital, the NHS, or we're private. Essentially, your word is law, not the mm-hmm. opposite. And what midwives do is that then, you know, if, if say I would I would work for the NHS and I have to tick all these boxes, I would just have to write that woman declines, woman yes. decides not to, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's all I have to do. I have to respect your decisions. And you were very assertive, obviously, <laughs> for keeping them at bay, you know. Um, I was and I, I think that's a good thing. More women need to be trouble, you know. 
with reason, like with being informed, with making decisions mm. that are right for her and her baby. I think um, we don't always need to reason either. I think sometimes we can oh, just go on instinct. Like, I just don't want you in my space. And that's 100%, that. percent Especially um, in birth. It's so important. But their reaction to me in that moment was really, really helped me to heal from my previous experiences with healthcare professionals to know that I my opinion was valid and I didn't need to justify it that no you don't need to do x y and z to me just because you want to or there's a box to tick or you know I don't think they will have realized that in that moment that they did something so special just by picking up the cup of tea and walking out of the room for me which I know is bizarre but you know all the healthcare professionals out there listen to women because we need you to listen to us even when you don't get it you know yeah, of um, course. And it should be a given. It yeah. should be a given and not something that would ever be questioned. No, it, but that it, that was good. So then you birthed your placenta and all was fine. Did they <laughs> leave and you got to snuggle your baby and go to bed? Yeah. And then I went to bed with my baby, yeah, which was what I did with the other one. Um, we did keep the placentas. I put them in the freezer because we weren't quite sure what, what we're going to do with them. And when we had three placentas all together, we did plant them in the garden. So that's eventually what we did with the placentas. Beautiful. I love that practice. So how long until you felt pregnant again? So this time, so there's just under two years. So a year and a bit. Mm -hmm. And we wanted a third baby. And we were sort of dithering about, oh, should we try again? And my husband said, oh, if we're going to have another one, let's get on with it. And so um, we fell pregnant straight away with our next one which is amazing and she was perfect this time I had two other kids to run around after so I didn't have time to worry about the pregnancy I don't know I just felt a lot better I think a lot of the previous trauma had been dealt with I had my lovely home birth midwife back again and she put me in touch with another midwife who lives not far from here in the next village, who does therapeutic uh, hypno hypnotherapy. And she said, oh, you know, would you like a number? Anyway, so I met this lady and she was fabulous and she hypnotised me, which I'm not, you know, I'm a clinician. I'm not really into, I don't know. I, I went with it and I loved it and I really benefited from this clinical hypnosis and uh, we put all of the negative bad stuff in the bin and set it on fire and I loved that and I felt so good I had a really good pregnancy I carried on ticking the boxes there was a bit of a question now because I'd had this oh what do they call it large for gestational age baby I'd had a big baby so my second baby was big so now there was like a a box that was like, oh, are you going to have another giant baby that you can't birth? Um, but, but hey, my... isn't this in- interesting? You birthed that baby like a pro, right? In less than yeah. one and a half hours. Actually, big babies usually birth great. Gravity helps. Big babies are heavy. Like, this is not true. Just everyone listening. No. Don't yes. be afraid of big babies. No. Well, my amazing home birth midwife said, well, we don't need to worry about that because you've already done it, haven't you? <laughs> exactly. You're the proof. Um, so exactly. So she wasn't worried. There was some question about um, they do extra the diabetes test and the extra scans. And I just said, no, thanks. Um, 
and she said that's fine uh, so that was really great I had a really just a lovely pregnancy and a lovely birth so with that one again I woke up in the morning and I sort of thought oh that might be something that might be something and I had a, a midwife appointment so I had an appointment for nine o'clock on the Saturday morning and I so it's the theme here I'm very convenient with when I birth um so I text her and I just said oh I know you're not on duty until oh no I said oh um could I just check when you when you're co- I know you're coming at nine but when do you come on duty because I really wanted her to come to the birth um and she said oh eight o'clock I'm just doing the horses now but would you like me to come sooner and I said no 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 it's fine I'll, I'll just see you for your for our appointment my husband's looking at me and he's going, I think I'm, I think I'm going to fill the pool. And I was like, oh, well, if you, you know, if you like, whatever. Yeah, I'm sort of getting quite niggly then. And I'm in my little tiny ensuite bathroom, which is really tiny, um, on all fours, crawling around, switching my daughter's like iPad onto CBeebies or whatever it was, and then crawling back for another contraction. The midwife walks in early for her like an hour early and she said I knew you were up to something <laughs> so I said, oh, well I thought it might be today um and even then I'm so oblivious because she's saying to my other daughter who's about five um oh I think mummy's gonna have the baby this morning and I was thinking am I am I gonna have a baby this morning anyway so yeah so she was amazing she I think she did my blood pressure and then she said, oh, your blood pressure is normal. That must, uh, that must mean you are in labour because I've always had low blood pressure. I've always had really low blood pressure. So she, she'd made a, yeah, she'd made a comment to say, oh, well, that's normal. So you, you must be in labour now. And she listened to the baby. and That was all fine. No, she really just left me alone, which was lovely. She went down, had a cup of tea. Mum arrived. A second midwife arrived out of the birth centre. I never met her. She just played Duplo with my other children in the living room while I had this baby upstairs. <laughs> At one point, it was so lovely because the little children were just so involved. So my daughter was about five. She had this little jug, plastic jug, and she was going to the sink, filling it with warm water and then putting it in the birth pool. And she kept coming back and forth to fill up the pool for me. It's just so cute. And at some point I felt... I said, oh, could I, could I have um, Selena back? Can I have my midwife back? So she came up and I said, oh, I feel, I feel like my waters are going to go soon. And she said, well, you better get in the pool then. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll get, you know, I'll do something. I'll get in the pool. So I got in the pool. Next contraction, waters went. And the contraction after that, there was a head. Yeah. My five-year-old had jumped it, stripped off, got in the pool. I, this was not in the plan. She was in the pool. My two-year-old was stroking my hand she my husband had put a little stool next to the birth pool so she could stand on it and lean over and stroke my hand um and my husband was watching the heads out and um my midwife told me afterwards that my five-year-old went and stroked the head that's just so precious then I had another contraction and the baby was born and I picked her up and I had another girl my daughter afterwards I said to her oh um, did you did you touch her head when she when her head was born? And she said yes. It was gooey and slimy like seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I she's ten now, and I remind her of that all the time. But yeah, my little midwife. Um, That's so precious, and how amazing that beautiful. they got to witness that and be a part 
of oh, that. So day. special. Oh, beautiful. It Did was they remember so it? Do your so, four-year-olds remember it? My yeah, so she remembers it. Yeah. And my two-year-old doesn't. There are some photos. Yeah. Um but she knew she was there and she jumped in afterwards she jumped in so there's this lovely photo of the three the three girls and me in the pool together and then the midwife said to my husband are you getting in as well and he and he said to me should I get in and I said no (laughs) (laughs) um because I was like no there's too much you know too much but um that was lovely really so special and they were just oh my goodness they were so into this baby and she was it was so interesting for them because you know she she had loads of vernix as well and so I think I think that's quite a unique sight you know children don't see tiny babies covered in vernix and you know so that was that was really special eventually the children got busy and buzzed off to play with the other midwife downstairs who I never met I'm really grateful to my to my home birth midwife who managed that situation so beautifully um, and really allowed us to have this beautiful family birth where we were all there and yeah yeah I mean she she didn't do anything she didn't touch me she didn't do anything she just created this amazing space for us mm. um my mum came in, looked at this baby, and then took the children away. It's beautiful. Uh, again, the placenta. I'm not very good with placentas, I don't think. <laughs> I can birth babies and not placentas. Well, how quickly um, did you birth this third baby? Oh, third about baby. two hours. So it was longer, and there was a, it was steadier, definitely. Mm. Yeah, it sounded and, like you were more in like the feeling of control and kind of moving yes. with it and... But also my water, so my waters didn't go till right at the end. Right, of course. And I would had never... that happened, you would probably just had a baby. Had your waters broken as oh. the first thing, you probably just had the baby. Well, that's the, the fourth baby. You got to wait for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was really nice and gentle. Uh, ramp up, and then again another pain-free baby. Mm. Um, it was totally different. And I think to my friends, the people that I know that had their waters broken for them artificially, why would you volunteer for that? Don't volunteer for that. <laughs> Awful. Just, you know, um, I, in my experience, you know, not having the water cushion there was painful. Yeah. Um, well, it, you but, know, and that's something that can definitely be, especially if the waters, if you have your waters broken artificially in labor if it's yes. done before as an induction you know thing usually it doesn't really happen as forcefully as that. but oh, okay. yeah that definitely you know can okay. be the experience if it, if you are in active labor and that happens you know you do do break of waters it usually does get more intense or if it naturally you know goes yeah well. well if it happens naturally i feel like that's how it was meant to be that's yeah. just how your body was going to birth your baby yeah um I wouldn't volunteer for it though because I just feel like I had this lovely experience of the gradual process until my baby needs to be born and then it was like you know it was all in the right time like the body is so beautiful the way it synchronizes and works to birth your baby Mm. um so back to placenta then placenta oh faffed about with the placenta um so but this time I wasn't too worried about it because I knew it usually takes me an hour to birth a placenta, and, you know, 
I think that's just what I do. Um, and so, normal too, you know, it's perfectly normal and yeah, fine. I yeah. think at the time, the, the rule was after an hour, they call you an ambulance. So I was really, I really felt on the clock mm. of... Right, I've got to get up centre out, I've got to get up centre out. And then that just made things worse. Um, So this time, my midwife, I think she knew that I was going to fret about it. And she was, she was fine. She was really reassuring. She's like, oh, you know, so I nursed the baby in the pool. Um, I wasn't going to cut the cord this time because I regretted cutting. I know she had all her cord blood. She, you know, Mm. it was whited, but, but I, I regretted cutting the cord before the placenta was out the time before. Mm. Um, I felt a bit sad about that. So um, again, I went. I was like, "Oh, the toilet worked last time." So I went. I sat on the toilet, and my placenta came out. So that's all fine. And that was yeah. It was just beautiful. Gotta love then, the toilet, hey! Both for birthing babies and placentas. Toilet rocks, like yeah, one of my favorite places for like labor magic. And birth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that yeah, so that was perfect. And then the fourth one, we we dithered a lot about whether we were going to have a fourth baby, and I think we were we were planning to sort of try around about March twenty twenty. So um, we were going to start trying just as COVID hit, and then I decided, oh my goodness, this is not a good time to have a baby, yeah. um, especially with well the home birth service closed. Um, I think the hospitals were saying no birth partners. It was just lots of stuff that was not good for women plus you know we, we didn't know how we were going to be with the effects of the virus did we or the vaccines or any you know so much uncertainty and that's actually really stressful so Mm-mm. we shelved that plan work was really busy yeah. I think we thought we were done I think we thought we've got three amazing children we've got this perfect family there was like a sister you know we've got three girls a sisterhood and they're quite fierce. It's quite a fierce sisterhood. But then, just last year, uh, we just got pregnant out of nowhere. And I thought, oh my goodness, this was not in the plan. It was. It ended up being quite a stressful pregnancy, not because I was not having a very good pregnancy, but because the care provision was had really, really changed since the last time I had a baby. So there was no home birth service anymore. I actually, in this preg- in the fourth pregnancy, I booked under the home birth service, and then a few weeks later, it was disbanded. But no one told anyone. All the phone numbers went blank. No one got in touch to say you no longer have a midwife. Let's reassign you a midwife. There was a what? message put by yeah, there was a message put by the hospital on mm. on a Facebook page to say there was no longer a home birth service, um, but no actual communication with women uh so this was this was stressful for me um, oh yeah oh what a terrible so, terrible way of handling the situation yeah not not good so at this point I've had some quick births I'm about an hour's drive to any hospital from here uh which involves a motorway Mm-mm. or oh. a tractor <laughs> you know like there's, there's either country roads and you're gonna get stuck behind a tractor or <laughs> the motorway and there's roadworks either way it's not a good option and there's no one who's going to attend my birth at home so the options that I was given was well just ask them for an induction they'll do that for you just go and ask them for an induction then we know you'll be in hospital when you have your baby I was like no <laughs> um, I'm not putting myself or my baby at risk of all of 
that an induction mm-hmm. entails to make life more convenient for your staffing. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Um, so that midwife I didn't want to see again. I chose not to see again. The other option was call an ambulance. And then when I questioned ambulance waiting times, there was some debate about how long an ambulance would take to get here. And then I spoke to this amazing matron at a different hospital and she said, well, look, I've had a look at a map of where you are and where all my midwives are. And there is a midwife who lives close to you. And she she said, I can ask her, but I can't force her to be your midwife. It's completely her choice. Um, And she doesn't have to attend. She shouldn't have to come to you. This amazing midwife said yes. And she's just an amazing human being. She turned up on my doorstep and I opened the door and I said, I know you. (laughs) And she was the midwife who had the, who did the hypnotherapy for me in my last pregnancy. She was amazing. So professional. Really was on my page about everything I I really just really felt that she was in my corner and supported me I was having some battles on my 20-week scan uh, I had a low-lying placenta that was partially covering the os the cervix this I was really worried about because I was thinking I was well I always always said I would have a home birth or a cesarean you know if there's an actual problem and I need a cesarean that's fine but it's like one or the other there's either a problem or there isn't you know I was very black and white, but faced with that option, I was like, oh, no, I don't really, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't, I'm worried about that. I'm scared of that. Um, She was amazing, really supportive. You know, she said to me, most of the move, 90% of the move, or not move, but, you know, everything stretches and the cervix will be clear. But this sort of hung over me a bit. They booked me in for a scan I think at 32 or three weeks, it was awful. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So the sonographer at the hospital, she was brutal. She was bashing my belly with this probe. She was visibly frustrated that the baby was moving too much for her to take a measurements. She said, the baby's, you've left it too late for this scan. The baby's too low. I can't see the placenta. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, I've come when you've told, you know, I had this appointment booked and I've come when I've been told to. Then she said, I have to do an internal scan. At this point, I was like, no way. Like she was so brutal. She tipped me. So I had a mask on because at that time we were still wearing masks in hospitals. I'd sat on this bed and then she tilted me upside down. Um, so my head was oh. down. I had this mask on, this big belly on my chest. Oh my God. I could hardly breathe. It was so hot. And my husband she'd sat on a chair the furthest away possible yeah she had the probe she was trying to push the baby's head out of my pelvis with the ultrasound probe and I was just it was it wasn't good and I just caught my husband's eye and he said you know even with the mask on he said he just saw my eye and was like we're leaving and I said to her no I'm no I'm not doing that she said what do you mean no and I said no, no, I'm not doing that. I'll come back in a week and someone else can look again. Very good. Because the baby might have moved positions then. You know, it's a fourth baby. He could be in and out of my pelvis all day long, quite frankly, couldn't he? Yes, absolutely. Um, so 
anyway, she was outraged that I'd said no. And then she started threatening me. Well, you'll have to have a cesarean. You'll have to have a cesarean if you don't have a scan. Oh, it was just one thing after another of, you know, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. And it turns out I had to throw myself off the bed in the end because she wasn't going to let me down. Oh, my God. So I got myself off this bed. I said, you know, we're going. And my husband's amazing. He was like, yeah, we are. We're going. Because he just, you know, he's totally with me. Like, if she says we're going, we're going. Mm. Wonderful. And it turns out she, she'd done a load of stuff that I didn't know she was going to do. So I'd gone for this placental positioning scan. Um, and she'd actually done... She'd done a growth scan, which I never wanted a growth scan. And I would have said no thank you to the growth scan. And she did some other fluid and blood flow. Oh, a fetal well-being check. I think that's what they call it. And I was like, but I've I've not come for that. And you've I feel like no, I had this letter saying I was going for placental positioning. So I came for my placental positioning. You've not even she didn't even look at the placenta because I could see um vet. So I'm used to looking at scans and I could see the placenta way above the baby's head on this scan but instead she'd done all this other stuff that I didn't ask for and I felt I felt really cross about that really and I felt like you haven't even looked to the placenta I was really confused so we left I was really upset and my midwife was actually on holiday in Cyprus and my husband called her she's so amazing she called him back and that's midwife for you you know she's just she's so beautiful she did not have to do that at all um but she's she did Mm. and she said we'll talk with don't worry about it we don't need to do anything right now let's talk about this when we get back and she said she just explained that really they like to see the cervix because sometimes they can have strange blood vessels that can grow separate to the placenta and and cross the cervix that this is really really rare so she didn't want to worry about it but that's what they were looking for now the the scan lady did not say anything like that to me really it was you have to you know it was threats you have to do this or you're going to have a cesarean you know just I was like I'm not listening to this at 33 weeks you can go away my midwife came back from the holidays and came to see us I was still perfect. Everything, all the checks were still perfect. She said, there's a really lovely, she said, there's two types of scanners. There's the the scanning people and then there's the midwives that scan. And there's this really lovely midwife. And if you'd like, I can book you in with her and she can do the scan for you. Mm. Uh, We talked about it and I I went back for that scan. And of course, my baby had moved out of the pelvis and the the cervix was completely clear and there was nothing there and in about two minutes everything was completely fine um and she was a lot more considerate she was saying you know if you feel really uncomfortable with the mask I'm happy for you to take it off and I didn't I wore my mask I was I was fine but it was nice that she had considered Mm. that actually that's a very very uncomfortable position for a very heavily pregnant woman to be in um and my husband was right next to me and it was it was just a lot better handled and they didn't need to do an internal scan that she was really pressuring me to do, which, I mean, she didn't know that that would have been upsetting for me. But I feel like all women, you know, would want a, just a standard scan instead of an internal scan if they have a choice. So Absolutely. That's so um, invasive every time. Yes. I mean, yeah. she, the, the thing that really upset me about that was, was she was very entitled um she really felt that she had a right over my vagina basically um and i 
I really was cross about that. Well, I love that and you upset. being such a I just walked out strong <laughs> person, you know, with authority in your own self, you know, just took your fear, you know, off that mm. bench. And I, I hope that your story inspires others to be brave and bold and dare mm. to, you know, listen to themselves and not let themselves get treated badly because there are people in healthcare that don't mm. have manners and do act as authority over whereas that is not the reality you know you employ them through you know with NHS it's your taxes but they you know they are there yes. to serve you not the opposite and it's really important mm -hmm. that that's how we approach these things definitely and call um, them out on that behavior it's so important I, I know you say that you know to be strong I, I really wasn't that strong I was in fight or flight in that moment I was really like we are leaving now I that's what happened and I was really I think I cried for about a week after that which is I mean that sounds so crazy doesn't it, no, it doesn't. but for me yeah. that experience was quite you know I don't know just really upsetting it's really important um, to talk about it because I think a lot of women will feel this and not voice it just take this as this is just how it is and it's not you know that's not okay mm. that's not okay treatment and you did act by going away a lot of women freeze right mm. and just have stayed absolutely there, right and I, I just want everyone to who's listening to 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 get some of that oof, you know your gumption that you have because that's mm -hmm. how you react right you just got up and left mm -hmm. and it was from fight and flight but you know i i would you know hope that with this story would maybe in the back of the head of them live there as they go to an appointment and feel this way and actually speak up or walk out and you know mm -hmm. feel empowered to do so by your story definitely and i i think you know the logic from my point of view was I can do this now or I can do this in a week you know mm. if you can't see now then we'll look again in a week there's nothing to be lost by that and I don't know why she objected so strongly to that but we never get anyone that ever says no to her yeah yeah and let's face it also not everyone that's a Sonia Furfer is a very good people person you know they deal with scans right and and that's usually what they do <laughs> they, they haven't got that yes. training in woman-centered care like midwives do or supposedly mm. should at least so let's dive on into your fourth birth now so oh, yes sorry for I've hours digressed. and hours um, yes sorry um so the fourth birth so um again I was 40 plus no I was 40 plus two this time so the so I had two at the 40 plus six the giant baby was just slightly early, two days early. Um, but the, yeah, there's a, I have punctual babies, which is handy when you're birthing under the NHS. It has lots of rules. Yeah. Um, so 40 plus two. And um, I knew this time, this is the first time I found out we knew we were having a boy and everyone was outraged. What do you mean you're having a boy? I like, I know it's weird. We're having a boy. Um, so we'd, oh goodness. So I had a lovely day. We'd walked the dog. I was feeling niggly. I had all these Braxton Hicks, who I always do. And then I made the children dinner. We'd all had family dinner at about 6 p.m. And I'd said to my husband, oh, I feel a bit tired. I'm going to go lie down. And he did. He put the, the girls to bed. 
and um, I went and had a nap and I put my hypnobirthing in. I had this lovely nap and then I woke up, uh, a contraction woke me up and I thought, oh, that's that's something. Um, And so I tried to call my husband just because we've got three levels. So we were in the I'm in like the loft bedroom. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to walk away downstairs to find him. Um, so I called him, but I, he didn't pick up because he was with the girl. So fine. And then I had another contraction. And this one was, I couldn't lie down anymore. I had to, so I sort of swung out of bed onto my knees and had this contraction. And then a little bit of fluid came away. And I thought, oh, okay, we're on. Um, so I toddled off to the bathroom um to get myself cleaned up but of course then all this fluid you know it's just that you can't clean that up because more comes it's really frustrating so um I'm on the toilet and I call my my midwife because she was an amazing human being she took on the whole of my uncle I had her work number obviously her work mobile but she said this is my personal mobile and if you need me call me on this she said because sometimes the triage in the hospital sometimes the message don't get through and I don't want that to happen and she'd put all of my notes in big red letters that she was my own call and to call this number but she said just in case so I had her number anyway I called and then I felt really awkward about calling her her personal number like I didn't want to do that so I called her work number and it went to answer phone and I thought oh it's okay I'll just call her in a bit and she called me straight back and I said oh I just had two contractions like 10 minutes apart and there was a little bit of fluid so I think we're on for tonight and she said um yeah and she said um oh okay do you, do you want me to like what do you want me to do do you want me to do you want to just call me back when you want me to come so I said oh yeah that would be great she's like really just so like no pressure my husband appears I said I said oh I've just had this phone call with the midwife blah, blah, blah. tell him everything and then I have another contraction. So I think that's probably about another eight minutes. It wasn't really timing, but I was sort of keeping my eye on the, I had my phone there. So I was looking at the time. He said, oh, shall I fill pool? And I was like, well, yeah, I think probably just in case. Oh my goodness. Then the next one was three minutes later and I was, it was really strong. And I shouted at him and I was like, just hold me, hold me. And I grabbed hold of his shirt on either side and just leaned into his belly and he, I was trying not to fall off the toilet. It was so strong and I was just breathing. And I thought, oh, okay. And he said, oh, should I, I'll, I'll call the midwife back. So he called her up and said, oh, would you mind coming? And she said, yeah, that's fine. I'll come straight away. And she's like 10 minutes in the next village. She's 10 minutes away. And amazingly, it was just so, it was so good. She was at home. It was perfect. Then I had another one. And again, I just shouted to him, hold me. He's holding me on the toilet so I don't fall off the strength of the contraction. And it was, it must have been transition because it was like roll. It wasn't, it was multiple contractions all rolled together. I just felt like it wasn't going to stop. It was just constant. And he was like, yeah, you, you okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. So he goes back to start taps and pools and things. And then I get another one and I felt the head move down. And I shouted to him, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I wasn't, my body was pushing. I wasn't pushing, if you know what I mean. Yes. And so he ran back, lifted me. Luckily, he's strong. He lifted me off the toilet onto all fours. There's not a mark on me. He's so gentle. Onto all fours. Um, he said, you can't birth on the toilet. I was like, okay. And then 
the next contraction there was a head and I was was breathing and I came out you know you come out of that haze and I said oh the head's out and he said yeah I can see that and he's looking face to face with our baby (laughs) 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 I was like okay um and um I didn't realize he'd taken a photo as well of this little head you know just hanging there really odd so I can feel that you know I can feel the baby move and wiggle around I think turning I know wiggling around and I just said um you know you have to catch the baby you have to, it's a start like a tile hard tile floor so you have to catch the baby you have to catch the baby um because I'm still on all fours and I was like I didn't know quite how to move at that point and so he threw all of these towels under me and he's there ready to catch the baby <laughs> and then um the last contraction the baby tumbles out I hear the splash hit the tile floor he's got this he just catches this baby and just posts him on the blankets between us the towels between us um oh it's just whirlwind and I um just scooped him up so lovely um but he had a really short cord so I couldn't really lift him properly he and his cord was wrapped around his leg so it's really cool. So I tried to lift him up and I couldn't. So I put him back down again and unraveled him and picked him up and held him against my tummy. And then um, I just knew the midwife was coming. So I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to wait here until she gets here because, you know, I, I just, I was just in a daze at that point. Like, I just need someone to come in and tell me what to do at this point. It's, I know I feel like, oh, it's a bit pathetic. I should have just got up and, you know, sorted myself out. But anyway, I had my little baby and I was so, I was thrilled. Um, and my daughter, so when I was unraveling this cord, um, he started wailing and my daughter's downstairs heard the cry. And my middle daughter had gone to her sister's bedrooms and said um I can hear something upstairs and they'd all come together on this little envoy to come and find us and of course they found me in the dark because it was sort of it was about um eight o'clock I think you know it just got dark in the bathroom me crouched on the floor with this tiny little baby on my tummy and um that was really special because they just peeked in like oh mummy and then they found me with this baby um so that was really special and then the midwife sailed into the fluttered into the room on her angel wings and just said oh right let's get you you know let's get you sorted out but Gareth did he did call after the baby was born he did call her and say the baby you know the baby's been born and she said uh yes I can tell because I can hear him in the background (laughs) um but she just said, you know, is everyone okay? And I'll I'll be there in a minute. And she was, you know, she was already on her way. She was oh. getting into the car. So that's it, really. That was just phenomenal. That's the way to do it. <laughs> that was um, a quick one. Was that in yeah. like half an hour or something? So I, Gareth thinks about twenty eight minutes. Um, but who knows? I think it's. I think we worked out it was seven contractions. That's crazy. Which is, but I think historically, you know, if you're a cave woman and you're having yeah. a fourth baby, you've got a load of other kids to look after, you yeah. are going to do it efficiently, aren't you? Yeah. You're, yeah. Not, you're not going to want to spend several <laughs> days at it. You want to get your baby out and get up again. So, yeah. So that was great. 
I, I think because I was in such a daze, it was amazing to just have um, my midwife there because then she said, right, let's get you up. Let's, you know, get some matting down to get you to the bed, get you in the bed. Then she was saying things like, feed your baby because I'd forgotten about that bit. Um, you know, I said, oh, okay. The other thing that was different, so the others were born in water, so I didn't see any blood with the other ones. And then this one was a land birth. So I did, you know, there was blood um, that I saw. I did say, you know, oh, is that is that normal? I don't remember any blood last time. And she was really reassuring. Yes, that's normal. That's absolutely fine. Not worried about that. So that was really great. The placenta, she knew I had a thing in my head about this placenta. So she was really quite active in, right, let's birth your placenta. And she... And she was the first midwife who told me, you know, actually really try and push it out. That worked as well. And it plopped into a bowl. Mm-hmm. And my daughters all gathered round to see the placenta being inspected. There's a photo of them looking at this placenta and the midwife showing them. Mm. I don't I don't know. It was just, yeah, a bit crazy, but just so wonderful um, to have all those different experiences. Mm. Um, and to feel so blessed by them all, um, yeah, it was it was really special. So beautiful! Um, what an amazing birthing body you have. You just shoots mm-hmm. out babies. I just, I just really want to impress upon everyone that my my feeling is that vast majority of women can birth how I birth and I know in today's society I'm a bit of a unicorn when I tell people my birth stories they think wow you know um they think that this is amazing or fantastical but I don't think it is Mm. you know the the birth stories that you have on your podcast is like story after story of women birthing in just an amazing and perfect and beautiful way Mm -hmm. um I'm not special I just I don't know. I just was really, um, really sure that my body could do it. And I think with my fourth baby, all of my issues of my worry wasn't about whether I could birth a baby. Um, all my issues were about what's going to be expected of me from the healthcare providers that are around me, which is kind of sad, really. Um, I remember the phone call, the the discussion I had with um, one of the matrons when they closed the home birth service was when I I said to her, this baby will be born at home, whether you have an opinion about it or if I have an opinion about it, because my babies, they just come out, you know, they they would have all been born in the car had we have tried. Yes. Afterwards, we had a laugh that, you know, getting me in a car would have been a job given they couldn't even get me off the toilet. So, you know. Yeah, home it's birth good. is definitely so important for women who birth fast. Mm, so I think it's a safety. I think it it's is, a safety. It measure. is a safety issue that is not recognised, mm. and it is a problem that women, especially if you live far away from hospital, that women birth on the side of the road. Yes, so dangerous. Yeah, definitely. So much better to provide safe home birth care. You know. Mm. So, Holly, if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, 
what advice mm-hmm. and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? I would say book a home birth. Book a home birth. It's so simple. Just start out at home and trust yourself and see how you get on. Mm. Um, and my second um, pearl of wisdom is really choose your team um, and know what your team are expecting from birth. Know what they expect of you. Um, really get on the same page. Have lots of conversations beforehand because um, the people I I think really the people that I had around me, my doula for the first two, and then my husband for all four, were just so so crucial in allowing me to birth the way I needed to. Um, and I think if you're not on the same page, if there's any conflict or any difference in your team, in the birth room, I just think that that's really negative and really damaging for your, you know, for your experience. Mm. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Holly, for sharing your amazing birth wisdom with us. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it. (laughs) Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.